Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. I'm David Greenfield, Director of Content for Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, how do you connect legacy equipment for data acquisition and analysis? And joining me today to answer this question is Luke Stevenson, Business Manager at Enterprise Automation, a control systems integrator. So thanks for joining me here today, Luke. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me and uh, look forward to our conversation today. It's a great question to answer. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, been top of mind for a lot of people with all that's going on uh, during this process of digital transformation of industry. This is probably one of the more common uh, questions uh, we've we've heard from reader readers about this. And this particular question from the Automation World Reader, it implied that they're looking to gather data from devices and equipment that they're currently not getting data from as part of their normal equipment data collection procedures. And I'm assuming, because the reader didn't go into too much detail in their question, so I'm assuming that this is part of a broader data collection initiative for Industry 4.0 or digital transformation in general at this reader's company. So given that, what should an end user consider if they're looking to collect data from a legacy device for the first time? Yeah, yeah. And this is definitely, like you said, really common. I mean, everybody knows businesses that use, collect and, you know, observe data in real time are, are more agile and more effective in, uh, you know, achieving their bottom line or achieving their objectives. So very common. And I think there's a couple things to really consider, some of which will be obvious and maybe some less so. Um, but the first big question is the why. Um, you know, what what would that data, if it was available to you in real time or more easily, enable you to do? And the reason why I think that why question or why we drive some of our customers or clients into that why question is because the way in which that data is stored, accessed, or gathered um, can really change what you're able to do with it. So um, a very simple example without going into a ton of detail is, you know, if you're only collecting incremental data, say every hour, um, you're getting a piece of a new piece of information or a value every hour. Well, that may be good enough for your end use case, um, but you might need it down to the minute. And sometimes that adjustability or that, um, that difference can't be, can't be made after you've collected it. It has to be sort of taken into account. So the why is really important. What do you want to use it for? Hopefully you know or have some ideas around that. Sometimes you don't. Um, and so that's, you know, that creates a different set of pro- uh, problems or approaches. So from there, I would say there are two really uh, maybe buckets or categories that that people can approach data acquisition of legacy devices in. The first, um, or not necessarily in any particular order, but I would say the first is more proof of concept or start small and then scale. And we prefer this approach typically because it allows um, the business to sort of realize some benefits or some lessons learned before they start scaling and, and investing a lot of money in maybe infrastructure or time um, to get all of their data. So as an example, you may have a factory floor and it may have a hundred machines. Um, don't go after all 100 machines right out of the gate, or, or maybe this approach says, don't go after all 100, start with one. Um, in those cases, that approach we think benefits by, again, lessons learned. What are the methods that work really well for us? And then can we scale it out? The other way is if your company or your enterprise is certainly, you know, says, hey, we know we can use the data if we had it, but we really want to get it into 
a repository or a data lake or you know data warehouse, whatever the term is that, that they're using, um, then you can start the other way and you can say, hey, let's go collect all the data. We don't exactly know all the use cases, but we know that it's important to us and we're committed to making that investment of time and, and potentially money in, in picking it up. So um, those are the kind of two approaches. And again, it kind of depends on on management or leadership's uh, appetite for where they want to take it. Do they want to just invest more upfront, wait for those benefits and, and kind of hope for those benefits, or do they want to prove small things, see them work and then scale um, after? So I would say that, yeah, definitely consider the why and then which of those two approaches meets your leadership's appetite. How is data acquisition going to gain traction? Is it going to need to show some, some, uh, some traction, show some uh, value, or is it something that, you know, you're already being sort of told to go do? Kind of going beyond, you know, answering, you know, the, the why are you doing this and what business purposes that it serves as you were describing there. Are there any types of common legacy industrial devices or equipment uh, that are known for being difficult to extract data from? And can those difficulties be overcome easily with any of the newer data acquisition technologies that are out there on the market? Yeah, certainly, um, you know, probably not a surprise. The, the older the, the the device or the piece of equipment is, more likely the, the more difficult it's going to be just because it's going to lack um, certain abilities to communicate. So the hardest ones that, w- that we come across are typically um, devices that communicate over serial, um, serial communication protocols and protocols that are often considered proprietary. So if you think of like Profibus or... Uh, Data Highway Plus in in the Rockwell or Allen Bradley space, a lot of those can be really difficult um, just because they're they're real proprietary. You don't see them used too frequently. Um, once you start getting into Ethernet based communication or even just two wire communication or four wire communication, there are a lot more ways to pick that information up. It's considered, I would say, more standard or more. Um, more pr- proliferated. So there are a lot of companies that make um, devices that can pick those up. So when we talk about um, overcoming the, the challenge of collecting data, this starts to get into the tep- technical topic of how, you know, what's the network like or infrastructure like that goes from edge device all the way up to some probably program or software that's looking at data and at the edge device level, when you're talking legacy devices, typically those devices aren't going to have, I mean, they're legacy for a reason. They're not going to have a built-in ability to transmit on sort of modern IOT type uh, communication protocols or, or to those types of platforms. So you have to put a device in between the end device. So I'm saying device in two, two cases, the end device that creates the data and then an edge of network device that's sort of collecting it and doing that translation from say legacy serial or legacy protocol into a more modern day, say MQTT um, style uh, package so that you can then use it in all the different ways that that can be used. So yeah, it's definitely difficult with those pieces. And then the other um, one that I would add on is the data format can also be kind of tricky. So um, depending on the type of data format, uh, things like CSV files or XML versus like a more uh, common file today in this IIoT space like, space like JSON, um, those file types are also something to be considered in how 
the devices creating the data and then the package format that you'd like it to be in to be utilized, you know, wherever it needs to be used. You know, just to circle back on something you mentioned there, uh, to start off with, you mentioned about some of the difficulties with the proprietary field bus uh, communication networking technologies, but that on the Ethernet version of those, that it's much easier to to do that. Were you referring to the Ethernet-based versions of the field bus technologies or just more standard Ethernet uh, communications? Yeah, so I would say serial and proprietary protocols each individually make it difficult. When they're stacked on top of each other, that makes it more difficult still. So, um, you know, when you at least have one, so say you have Ethernet connectivity, uh, but maybe you're on ProfiNet or you're on, you know, a, a Allen Bradley Ethernet IP protocol, and I'm not singling those out for any specific reason. They're just probably ones that people are familiar with. Um, it does make it easier, but it's still a level of difficulty harder than if let's say it's mod ethernet modbus um like modbus tcp which is a very you know a standard that almost <laughs> any edge device is going to be able to um to communicate with right De- regardless of whether it's manufactured by uh manufacturer a or manufacturer b or manufacturer c so in your experience working with end users and in industry around you know data collection from legacy devices are there any typical missteps that you see end users making when it comes to collecting data from devices or equipment for analysis? And how, how do you advise uh, end users to avoid those types of missteps? Yeah, so it's a good question. And it, we definitely see it. It happens at all of us. Sometimes we, you know, our, our, <laughs> the best implementations come from our best failures. So it's not necessarily always a bad thing if you can learn from it and do it right the next time. But it kind of relates back to our first question or topic, which is, um, you know, how do you, what do you want to consider for the, if you're collecting data or legacy data for the first time? And I would say that a lot of it is just going too far too quickly with, without a plan, like over collecting data. Um, you know, all of a sudden they've put in all this time and effort and they've maybe, you know, started to ingest all that information and then it's kind of like, now what? And, and there's a little bit of a stalling out process because there's just so much information and we see people kind of like almost get like data tired, like, oh my gosh, this is all here for me. It's almost overwhelming. I don't even know what problem I, you know, I, it can solve for me. So that's, that's one um, that we see again, depending on the enterprise, sometimes that's not a problem, but uh, it can happen where they come to us and they say, Hey, we've collected all this and now we're not quite sure what to do with it. So I definitely say having that end end goal in mind, at least initially as a proof of concept would be really important. Um, yeah, I would say that that's probably one of the bigger ones. And then maybe like data security, I think is another one that often kind of will bog down a project or, or maybe stop progress. You know, somebody on the plant floor or in supervisor, a supervisor role realizes the need or, or value for some data. They start collecting it or connecting devices only to have say the IT department come in Um you know, a few weeks or months later and say, what's all this stuff, you know, take it down or, or disconnect it. You know, we, we, we don't support this type of connectivity and, and not having considered the security risks of some of that connected equipment. So there's definitely, you know, a big push for cybersecurity at all levels of, of the OT network environment. And this would be no different. So let's say those maybe are probably the biggest ones that jump out, just an over-aggressiveness to collect everything. And then probably a lack of understanding certain con- security concerns around, you know, any networking or any transmission of data across different networks. 
You know, while we're on this issue of missteps, and, and you kind of uh, referred back to this as well uh, in your answer about getting to the goal of why you're connecting this and answering that why question that you mentioned when we first uh, began uh, talking, um, have you ever run into an issue where you where you're answering getting to that answering the why question with an end user and you've told them, you know, don't collect this data. That's too much. It's not relevant. Has, does that happen much or is most of it usable for the most part? And there's very little that you wouldn't want to collect. Um, no, we definitely have. We definitely have had those discussions. Um, you know, we, we, it, it depends on each, you know, the, the, I'll call it like the, the, the Delta of effort needed to collect that. If it's a simple button click and it can be brought in, then, you know, kind of, there's usually not a lot of uh, reason not to, if, if they can, if they can sift through it. But a lot of times there's always a little something that needs to be done for the next piece to be brought in connectivity wise or device wise. And, you know, those things, it's always on a scale of, of, you know, cost versus reward, which ultimately is value. And so we do, we do often work with people and say, Hey, you know, based on what we can tell from your, from your, the way you operate, the way you, you know, um, work, this piece of information is probably beyond value in terms of going to collect um, some of that stuff too. Not that it's necessarily part of the exact topic we're talking about, but there are a lot of really neat tools today that can allow for manual data entry um, into an automated system a lot more seamless, seamlessly. So, you know, the traditional way of taking a clipboard around a plant floor with a piece of paper, you know, a round sheet that's been photocopied a billion times and, you know, filling out, uh, certain information that can be automated in a lot more uh, in a digital way nowadays and fed into a database directly without saying that end device being upgraded, connected to the system and automatically pulled. And if like daily data is all you need, sometimes we advise people to just collect it that way. You know, Hey, this, this isn't that big a level of effort. Um, or you may take it weekly, you know, it's just not that frequent. So connecting it up and dealing with all the, the connectivity issues or some connectivity issues just may not make sense. So beyond the specifics that we've discussed so far, do you have any general recommendations? And, and here I'm kind of referring to, I guess, a baseline, if you will, for end users about the most effective ways to collect data from devices or equipment that they're not already collecting data from? Yeah, this is um, this is probably the, the the most interesting topic for people that we've we've maybe talked to to this point, depending on where your pain points are. But yeah, I, I would say, and these are going to be terms people have heard about. But study up on and understand. Probably uh, MQTT is going to be the most um, uh, common and and biggest and most supported uh, message broker and message uh, service messaging service out there. So. In terms of how they're going to do this or build a system for this, it's most likely going to include edge devices creating data, edge nodes getting that data into a format that a message broker like MQTT can ingest and can push out into places that can use that data. So um, the most effective way I would say I would say is to put in place a publish and subscribe messaging broker like MQTT. It's going to be so much more flexible, scalable. It's going to be built sort of for the future. I mean, all of our IIoT devices are, are if they're not already, I, don't, I can't even think of one that's not capable of communicating with that messaging service. And it's a very efficient, um, again, kind of almost cross-platform way of connecting 
all these sources of data, both that produce it and that want to subscribe or, or, or take it in, um, things like a SCADA software or uh, a Maximo um, work order software, a CMMS or an ERP system. All of these systems can be made to connect to MQT, MQTT message brokers to take that information in. And it's just super, super efficient. And it's actually fairly easy to set up and it's very scalable. So, you know, you, you could talk about plant floors or multiple plants or factories that are distributed across, you know, the United States can all work through this system and, and can do so fairly effectively. So, yep, can it, that, that central way of doing it, I would say, is kind of the, the current and the future way that, that businesses should look at in terms of setting up how they collect that and, and where it goes and gets stored and how it gets communicated. It's interesting that you mentioned MQTT there. It's I remember first learning about this, I guess it's been about five, six, maybe seven years ago now at an industry conference. Yeah. And while it seemed really neat, you know, the low bandwidth, you know, how effective and simple it was, but it still seemed like it might be a little esoteric or for designed for specific use cases because it seemed so different when I first heard about it. But it's amazing how quickly just in the past five years or so it's become pretty ubiquitous uh, for the whole, you know, from the client server to the publish subscribe movement, how quickly that's caught on across industry. So that's uh, very interesting. It's especially in an industry where new forms or new technologies don't always catch on so quickly. No, I, yeah, I think you're exactly you're right, David. I mean, in, you know, like with anything 4K TVs or, you know, a Blu-ray versus, uh, you know, digital or what it was, the HD DVDs, you know, there's always competing things out there. And I think MQTT's kind of risen to the top in terms of it's been adopted by so many different um, hardware and, and device providers. And yeah, it's it's really here. You know, if you if you don't if you haven't heard of it or haven't learned about it, you're you're definitely behind the curve. You know, spend some time on YouTube or wherever it is, and yeah. you can find so much good information about it. And it's yeah, it definitely has value for almost I think every application. Yes, there's, there's plenty out there, and I will do a shameless plug for AutomationWorld.com. We have tons of articles on it that we've written over the past several years. So uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's uh, definitely something to get on board with for sure. So one last question, Luke, you know, once the process for data acquisition from legacy equipment is successfully enabled, how do you advise manufacturing clients to then analyze the data to derive some of the most beneficial operating results that they can get from that kind of data? Yeah, good question. This is where the rubber hits the road, you know, collecting all the data is all well and good, but uh, making use of the data is really why we go through that exercise or why we invest in, you know, the time and energy to do it. So um, yeah, I would say today, and it's, there's safe ways to do this. So I know sometimes people shudder at the, at the term, the cloud. Um, but it's, it's definitely where you want to get the data. Um, because once it's in the cloud, or if your data repository or data warehouse is there, there's a host of services or software, um, tools that can then start to help you with that, whether that's data visualization through something like Power BI or Tableau. Um, to things like uh, predictive uh, predictive AI uh, machine learning that you can, you know, Azure or, um, you know, Aviva makes a lot of products that do this where you can essentially have something looking at that data beyond even just human beings and drawing insightful conclusions from it, right? Things that, hey, d- you know, this looks off, this, this sensor or this areas behaving atypically, you know, maybe take a look at that. And those are the really neat use cases that we see. But if that data is not in a place where those services can be pointed at it easily, 
it's kind of almost like another mountain or hurdle to climb. You know, having it locally is great, but getting it into the cloud um, just enables so much scalability, um, so much, so many other use cases. So that that's the biggest one is I would say try try to find a way to get it there. It's not just those tools, but then I mean everybody you know that has credentialed access can get into that data. So whether they you know work in Minnesota and your plant is in Southern California, it doesn't matter. It, it's it's accessible at that point, right? We all have cell phones. We all know how easy it is to get to wherever it is we want to get to just by picking our you know hand up. So that that's kind of what you want, I think, do with the data. Just make it really accessible and putting it in the cloud, I think we think does that the best. Well, thank you for joining me for this podcast, Luke. And thanks, of course, to all of our listeners. And please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World Get Your Questions Answered. And remember to visit our website at www.automationworld.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news. Thank you.